In any given moment or any conversation, when we use the word I, which I is doing the talking? My name is Dawn Cole. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master teacher, meditation coach, and owner of the Zen Room in Gilroy, California. You can also find us online at www.thezenroom.net. And today we're going to be looking at all of the eyes. Hi everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Zen Room. So today's conversation is going to be all around the eye. And when I say eye, I am talking not about the eyes in our head that see, it's not E-Y-E. It is the eye that we identify with as us separate from you. Um, So I know that there's a lot of folks, uh, maybe you are um, more advanced in your spirituality and you would say, but Don, there is no I and there is no you and there's more science all the time. Um, uh, University of British Columbia has verified the Buddhist belief of anatta or not self and neuroscience has been interested in Buddhism and the idea that there is no self, there is no you, there is no I. I'm not gonna go down that road today because for a lot of people, that just feels too ominous of a, of, a, of a belief or a thought or it's such a big idea or maybe it's just too simple of an idea that they can't quite wrap their heads around it. So understanding that and taking into consideration the fact that most of us still very much do identify with the I, I do kind of want to spend a little bit of time talking a little bit more about looking at the, at the I, the, the part of us that feels... Um, separate from the body sitting next to us or separate from the person sitting across the table having dinner from us Um, and not try not to get too big in these thoughts and too esoteric in these thoughts and just try to keep it very simple maybe giving some practical thoughts or ways of looking at ourselves a little bit differently so that we can um, start to make minor improvements in our life to get us to a place where we can start comprehending bigger things like, no, there is no you, there is no I. For most people, that's just too far of a jump to go all the way from where they are today. So the idea or the intention of this podcast is to maybe baby step you in that direction. Okay, so the first thing that I want to chat about today is looking at um, the biology of the human body first. Okay, so the human body, as we all know, if, if we were to say, okay, uh, if I wash my hair or if I rub my eyes, it's not going to be uncommon for me to maybe see some hair go down the drain. Or maybe if I were to rub my eyes, there might be an eyelash that makes its way off of my eye and onto my finger. And I say, oh, I lost an eyelash. And that happens all day, every day. Yet none of us are running around without any eyelashes, for the most part. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't some exceptions to this. If we were to go to the blood bank and give blood, our blood and our body would replenish. Okay, so in preparation for this podcast, I did some research to find some uh, data. How quickly do different cells in the body replace themselves? And I got this information from book.bionumbers.org. And they've got a really interesting chart that looks at the cell renewal rates in different tissues of the human body. Okay, so for instance, um, the small intestine epithelium, the turnover time is two to four days. 
Um, the cell types in the stomach, they turn over anywhere from two to nine days. Um, uh, the trachea, one to two months. The skeleton, 10% of our skeletal makeup is different every year, right? So you can go into the body and you can look at different aspects of the physical body and say, I am not the same person today that I was in grammar school. Unless you are in grammar school listening to this and then you'd have to say, I am not the same grammar school. I am not the same person in grammar school that I was when I was born. Okay, so we know this in theory. We understand and accept this when it comes to the physical body. Um, we know that if, again, if we were to uh, cut our, our skin or if we were to, yeah, if we were to cut our, our body, that um, different cells would come in and different conditions and situations would be happening in our body that are going to take uh, the new cells and replace the damaged predecessors, right? So our body is in this constant state of, of morphing and healing and changing and transforming all the time. So some scientists will go as far as saying we don't have one cell in our body that is um, the same cell that we had when we were born. We are constantly shifting and changing and becoming different people. So we can accept this. Maybe it feels a little awkward at times if you really think about it. We can accept this on the physical body level. But a lot of times what happens is as quickly as our bodies are transforming, our thoughts, our mentality, and our perception around certain events are not. We have, some would argue it's for the best and some would argue not so great. We have really good memories. Um, it's interesting because we can think about something that really hurt our feelings from last week. And boy, we like to hold on to that memory because boy, it was palpable and boy, it really got our goat and boy, it really got our blood boiling. And we can remember that feeling from last week and we can literally have the same physiological response from that moment last week because our memories are so good all over again. And next thing you know, you felt like it, you kind of got over it. Yeah, I kind of got over that. But then you allow your memory to kick back into full gear. Remember that instance that really got your goat. Have all the physiological responses again holding on to that anger or that frustration. And then guess what? Then you're right back where you were irritated, frustrated, angry, whatever. So what if we were to say, all right, if my, if my physical body is literally a different person today than it was 20 years ago, the question is why am I holding on to pain from 20 years ago? How can I let go of things that have already served their purpose, have already changed and evolved and served me? How can we change or move out of that space so one of the one of the things that I talk about um, particularly when I teach my tapping into your intuition class is figuring out which I wants to hold on to the memory which I does that serve recalling that nasty event recalling that moment of pain which I is getting satisfied by doing that but in order to have that conversation, we have to, we have to get familiar with the eyes. So um, for the sake of the class, my tapping into your intuition class, like I said, I've got it online and I've also got it in person. 
we go through all of the different aspects. And some people are going to say, Dawn, you missed one, or Dawn, that, that one. For me, what I have learned in my experience and through my work, these eyes are the most common, and therefore I give it, I give it um, some attention. So the eyes, when I say, I want that car, I want to remember that painful memory, I want to hold on to that anger, which eye is doing the talking? So let's look at the different eyes. And I know that anybody who's been listening to all of these podcasts over, over you know, the year or whatnot, um, bits and pieces of this I've already talked about. But um, I want to bring it all together and, and hopefully make a different kind of point today. So the first eye to look, about, look at is the inner critic. So you've got eye for inner critic. The second eye is your inner child. The third eye, now this is just for continuity's sake, I call it your inner ego, but it's your ego, but I'm trying to stay with the theme of eyes. And then your fourth eye is intuition. So you've got your inner child, inner critic, inner ego, intuition. Okay, and they all have different care abouts. They all have different things that they focus on, want to give attention to, all of those things. The inner critic I'm sure we've all heard our own inner critic. Our inner critic doubts ourselves. Our inner critic makes us doubt ourselves. Our ability, it makes us doubt our worth. It's very critical. It's here to convince you that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, that you're not young enough, that you're not old enough, that you're not rich enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not pretty enough, that you're not anything enough. Okay, that's the, that's the role of the inner critic, okay? Then you have your inner child. And your inner child is the... Uh, direct descendant of ourselves from our childhood. So everyone is going to have a different inner child. If you had a really, really, really fun, playful, exciting inner child, um, letting that go might be more difficult than folks who were like, you know what, my childhood wasn't all that great. It wasn't all that noteworthy. I don't really associate to that inner child aspect of myself where, where others absolutely do. Our inner ego is, um, it's our self-image. It cares about being right. It cares about justice. It cares about what other people think. It cares about coming off a certain way, pre presenting ourselves in a certain fashion. Um, intuition is always looking for our best and highest good. Intuition is all about love. Love of self and love of others. Uh, intuition is... Um, looking for win-win situations because it cares about more than just the what's in it for me, okay? So, and because whatever we resist persists, right? Think about a barbell. If we're resisting a barbell, we're actually making our muscles stronger. It's not about pushing these other aspects of us away. It's about understanding them, learning from them, and then always checking in with intuition, okay? So, what we're going to look at first is the inner critic. So, the inner critic, when we use the word critical on its own, it brings up really negative connotations around judgment, disapproving uh, comments, right? So, if you were to come in and say, gosh, Dawn, my boss is so critical, I don't take that you are enjoying the experience, right? You're feeling judged, you're feeling disapproved. But what happens when we add the word thinking to the word critical? Critical thinking. 
all of a sudden, it takes on a whole new connotation. Critical thinking is related to problem solving, decision making, knowledge, intelligence, reflection. Critical thinking keeps us alive every day. Um, I wrote a podcast on the qualities of a good and fair critic, right? So we've got art critics out there. We've got food critics out there. And there are certain qualifications that those critics need to be considered a qualified critic. And here they are. You must be incredibly knowledgeable on the subject via education or experience. That's number one. Number two, you must be entirely impersonal and objective. Number three, you must be unemotional. And number four, you must look at the current article on its own merits and not be influenced by past work or situations. That is, that is what they call a good and fair critic. But what's funny is when we talk about our own inner critic, our own inner critic is absolutely emotional. It is absolutely, there's no way for our own inner critic to be impersonal. There's no way for our own inner critic to be objective. So using the criteria for good and fair critic, none of those criteria match. Our inner critics would not qualify. If our inner critics were, were applying for a job of being a critic, it would fail miserably because it's too emotional, too personal, and it can never look on anything on its own merits and not be influenced by the past. So, in short, our own inner critic has absolutely no credibility. It's very, very interesting when people learn to fire their inner critic or silence their inner critic, or if you want to look at it a little bit more holistically because firing is pushing it away, silencing it is pushing it away, and what we resist persists. It's learning, oh, that's just my inner critic talking. I know the sound of my inner critic's voice very well by now and just learning not to trust it. It's not the voice of reason. It's not the voice of love. It's not the voice that you want to give any attention to. Okay, so that's your inner critic. Our inner child is based on our own childhood or lack of childhood experiences. Our inner child sometimes might look for protection or attention or look to be heard or look to play, right? Um, I am a fan of learning, remembering to be silly and lighthearted. So there are aspects of the inner child that I find really, really um, fun. And um, again, we're not looking to push them away. We're looking to um, learn from them and the aspects of them that feel good and work and align with us and where we want to be in our journey of feeling happy and fulfilled and which ones are getting in our way. Okay. so. Inner child, sometimes it's nice to say, all right, it's fun. We're in Disneyland. We're supposed to hop and skip and sing. It's fun to be um, kind of child and lighthearted in this moment. Um, but then there are other aspects where the inner child in that energy or that, that I, putting the I in quotes, is not appropriate. It's getting in our way. It's getting in our way with thoughts and feelings that are keeping us from all of the things that are fulfilling and joyful. Okay. Then we have got our ego. Our ego wants us to believe that the ego is us. Okay, so the ego will fight to stay alive as it doesn't want to be annihilated physically, mentally, or spiritually. The ego is very into survival. So the ego does not like spiritual work at all. Okay, um, ego uh, 
does not want to give up the floor to intuition because very rarely do ego and intuition agree. But when they do, it's for very different reasons, okay? Ego will make us sick and steer us in the wrong direction Direction if it means it gets to say, I'm right or I'll show you. The ego loves a good workout. Whenever you compare, judge, resist a person's situation or yourself, the ego gets stronger. Okay, so if we look at our intuition then, our intuition being our highest and purest selves, it's hard for a lot of people to hear because the choir of the others can be really loud and drowning. Um, that's why I always say meditation helps a lot. Um, intuition reminds us of who we really are when we forget. Intuition never shames, blames, or worries. Intuition is always kind, but not always gentle. Intuition focuses on love and the awesome power of love and um, intuition loves unconditionally. So when you are going through your life and you are experiencing something and you say, I feel this way or I want that or I need to do it. If you're to take just a moment and breathe and say, which I is doing the talking. So it, one of the things that I will do in meditation is I will have the intuition come and join us on the inner child, the inner critic, the inner ego, all four aspects plus my own self. Because for me, what I have noticed is if I have a question that I am really, really, really pondering or needing to know the answer to or a choice or a decision that I'm really, really trying to make. If I line up my inner child, my inner ego and my inner critic on one side and my intuition on another side and I ask, raise your hand if you want this job and see who raises their hand and then ask them why. You will start to get clearer and clearer and clearer on your motivation your inspiration or your why it was really a funny little thing that happened so i've got this sandwich board that i put out of the zen room on the sidewalk to let everybody uh, the, the the foot traffic going by see that i'm open and it's it has been raining pretty you know pretty well these last few weeks here in gilroy and my little sandwich board was looking a little sad because the chalk is starting to run right so I had a few minutes the other day and I decided to get artistic with one side of my sandwich board. So I erased the old crying, watery, you know, messy, drooling chalk letters and I wiped them all down and I had a blank slate. And then I got my pen, my chalk pen, and I'm doing designs and I'm doing all these cool things. And I was actually, I looked at it and I go, hey, that looks pretty good. And then in that moment when I said, hey, that looks pretty good, I felt myself say, heck no, that looks more than good. That looks freaking amazing. Look at that. And I said, who's that talking? And in my own mind, I said, who's that talking? And then, of course, was my ego. And then my inner child was like, yeah, maybe, you know, all of a sudden my inner child had his whole other dialogue about, or her whole other dialogue about, yeah, this, this sandwich board is 
it's so fun and lighthearted. And next thing you know, then I said, all right, intuition, what do you think about the sandwich board? And then I just heard, it looks beautiful. And then of course my inner critic's like, well, you missed a spot, that line isn't perfectly straight. So it was just interesting in that moment was something as simple as a sandwich board, you know, you can go, okay, um, I'm making a point here because blow this whole concept up to really big questions. Um, who's doing the talking? Which I is doing the talking. So what I've heard in the last week, and I don't know what's going on in the world out there, but it appears to me as though there's a lot of people holding on to painful memories. And what's interesting is we, um, if we were to learn from the scenario, then it was worth it. But there is a point where now you're just holding on to the baggage and you're not letting it go. And that goes back to that whole conversation we were having at the top of this podcast, which is if our bodies are not the same bodies that we had years ago, why do we have to hold on to the condition of the memory or the reaction to the memory that didn't serve us 10 years ago. So in that regard, let's just say for what, for whatever reason you wake up and you're in a really good mood and then you decide for whatever reason to remember a painful thing that happened 10 years ago and you let yourself get all worked up over it again and you let yourself get fired up and next thing you know, that moment is influencing um, your next moment. And next thing you know, you went from having a memory that was painful to having a really crappy day because for whatever reason, you just couldn't let that thread go. And then next thing you know, you're in an irritated mood. And next thing you know, it's the end of the day. And you're like, God, I shouldn't have even gotten out of bed today. I was just in a crappy mood all day. And I don't know why it never got better. Well, it never got better because there was an I inside of you who would not let it go. It was like a dog with a bone. So let me just give you a, maybe a for instance. So you get up out of bed and you think about something really crappy that happened 10 years ago. And you have let that thought grow into another thought and remind you of another person that gave you a very similar feeling because shoot, you're on that, you're on that channel. So why not vibrate and attract all of those painful memories that put you in the same place? The question that I would ask is which I is hell bent on dragging this bone up out of the dirt and just going to town, like which aspect of, of you, which I inside is just a dog with a bone and won't let it go? Is it your inner child? Is it your inner critic? Is it your ego that just is dying so, dying to be right that it just feels justified in recalling this memory? If there is something more to be learned something more to look at, something more of value that will catapult you into a different or more evolved or expanded or enlightened position, then I would say it's worth exploring. But if all it does is irritate you, then the question in that meditative moment is, hey ego, why are you digging up this bone? 
You go, what do you have to gain by pulling this bone up out of, unearthing this bone again instead of letting it go? Are you, is the ego maybe feeling disempowered in other areas of its life and feels justified remembering this moment and digging its teeth into the bone and just saying, because darn it, we were right. We were right then and we're right now. Okay. So now that we're aware, okay, we had this thought from 10 years ago and we are now clear and identifying it is our ego that is really hell bent on unearthing this bone and just shaking it again and digging its teeth into this bone again. Because again, whatever we resist persists. So let's learn from it, bring it into the, bring it into the sunlight and go, all right, I'm going to look at you. What is there to learn? But then at what point do you say, and this is where I would um, always, always advise anybody doing this kind of inner eye work, check in with your intuition and see what your intuition has to say. I can guarantee you, your intuition is not interested in the least in feeling rotten. If this is your last day on earth, this is not how you want to spend it. You don't want to spend it feeling rotten. You want to spend it feeling grateful and curious and interested and joyful and in a, in a place where you are cooperating with others and interdependent with your community, right? It, it would not spend one day, your intuition would not advise you to spend one day being mad just for the sake of being mad. It's a waste of energy. Learn your lesson. Take what's good. Move on. Okay. For a lot of people, that's very hard to do. For a lot of people, it is hard for them to not let those moments take hold of them and just spin them around and around and around until next thing you know, you're just, you're sick. You literally made yourself sick. Okay. But we've all heard, most likely we've all heard the term energy flows where attention goes. Okay. So we've done the work. Let's say that we've done the work. We've learned the lessons. We've taken the nuggets. We're saying, thanks. We don't need to vibrate there anymore. We don't need to feel those emotions anymore. We don't need to be angry anymore. Now we're going to step just like a new cell. We're going to step into a new way of thinking, a new way of being. Maybe it requires us to thank that painful thing, call it a friend and integrate it. Maybe it's not a matter of letting it go. Maybe letting it go for you doesn't feel right. Maybe for you it's like, well, gosh, I wouldn't be who I am today if that situation hadn't happened. So you're a friend. Thanks. Come along for the journey and let's get you feeling better. I always say, even anger wants to grow up and be loved someday. Okay. But if energy flows where attention goes and you have two leaves in front of you and one magnifying glass and one sun... If you take your magnifying glass and you concentrate all of the energy from the sun onto the leaf on the left, you're going to burn a hole in the leaf on the left. If you take your magnifying glass and put it over to the leaf on the right, using all of the energy of the sun, you're going to concentrate that energy and burn a hole in the leaf on the right because energy flows where attention goes. So at any given moment, you have the option to look at the stuff that is painful or to reignite those painful feelings because your ego is just hell-bent, again, hell-bent on justice and being right and reminding you it's not fair. 
Or you can turn your magnifying glass to the leaf on the right and say, what's good about the situation? What did I learn? Who am I as a, re as a result? If I am not a physical body that resembles the physical body that I had 12 years ago, why do I need to be the, the, the remembering body or the energetic body? Can't I evolve too? Can't the memories evolve? Can't the memories grow and expand and shift and transmute? I would say that's the point. Let our memories, let our thoughts, let our feelings grow and transform as quickly as our physical bodies. We have the capability if we would allow it to happen. What is the worst thing that would happen if you say, Yes, my high school sweetheart broke my heart. That is true. Or is it? Is it actually true? Or was it necessary for me to become who I am today and have the life that I have today? Now, Depending on where you are in your life, if you love your life, you're going to look back on your high school sweetheart and say, yes, my high school sweetheart broke my heart. Phew, thank goodness, because I'm loving where I am right now. Or you're going to not like where you are in life right now. You're going to look back at your childhood sweetheart and say, my childhood sweetheart broke my heart. And I'm going to hold on to that and blame it for where I am today closed-minded, closed-hearted, can't trust, single, lonely, miserable. And what happens, the danger in giving all of your power away to your high school sweetheart and that moment is that you are not trusting that you are only in the middle of your story. If you are, if you are thinking that in this moment, this moment that you don't like is the end of your story, then that is a very dangerous place to be. Any good drama, we pay 14 bucks to go see a really good drama in a movie theater. Any good drama is going to show you there's always a darkest hour before the dawn. There's always hard times before the great times come. You're never as appreciative of a full good meal as you are when you're starving. So going back to the high school sweetheart. First of all, your physical body looks nothing like it did in high school at a cellular level, at a tissue level. So why are you allowing this memory to define who you are today and give you a pair of cement boots that you have to walk into with certainty and say, well, this is as good as it gets. No, absolutely not. Maybe our inner child, if we were to go and check with our inner child is really hurt from that moment. Maybe our inner critic is trying to convince us that we are never, ever, ever going to find anybody worth loving. Maybe our ego is so hell-bent on saying, nope, that was absolutely all my childhood sweetheart's fault. I had no part in it. I am owning no responsibility for it. It was just wrong, and I can prove it. I can, I can prove it in a court of law. It was wrong. Meanwhile, all that conversation does is perpetuate today all over again tomorrow. And it's not getting you any closer to a place that you want to be. So my request for everybody listening to this, if you are one of those people who look at your childhood sweetheart and are saying it is because of that horrible memory that I am where I am today, 
I need you to take your power back. If you're one of the people that looks at the childhood sweetheart breaking your heart and say, thank goodness, because I love my life now, eh, this might be, you might pick up a couple of tidbits from this podcast, but chances are you've already understood that the importance of redesigning the way that you're remembering the situation is, is critical to moving past it different perception. Wayne Dyer says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Take your power back from your getting left at prom or whatever. Okay. It's really, really important for us to say, I am a different person. I am not bound by the chains of my memory and how I am remembering that situation. If that's my inner child demanding that I remember the situation this way or my inner critic demanding that I keep my memory of the situation this way then it's time to change it's time to sit quietly in a meditative state and say intuition show me why that was so important intuition show me why that was so necessary because it's time to move past it it's time to let the memory the thoughts the feelings of things that are painful evolve into something new if we cut our arm new cells will come in to replace the damaged ones we know that that's called healing same applies with memory same applies with thoughts same applies for feelings if we can get really really clear why that aspect of us that inner child that inner ego that inner critic is hell-bent on remembering in a certain way it is imperative for us to understand okay you were hurt i understand i understand you needed to cry i understand that you are frustrated i understand all of these things however you inner child are going to go and cry it out in the ocean maybe you're on a meditative beach maybe you're in a meditation forest you're going to go cry it out on the behind the tree no one says that wasn't painful i get it but then it's time to turn to the intuition and say intuition why was that so critical in my path why was that such an important piece of my journey understand that because it's time to look at it differently it's time to look at the whole situation differently and when you do that then you are embracing it as part of your uh, training program right no one said that becoming a bodybuilder was not going to include pain of course it is and hard work and discipline and all these things but then you're done and you stand up on a stage and you say i did it and it was It was hard and wonderful and all of these things along the way. It is really important for us to realize that our memories need to evolve just like our bodies do. Our way of looking at things needs to evolve just like our bodies do. As you do that, you will find yourself appreciating those hard moments, understanding that they were, you know, uh, catapults or diving boards for, um, more momentum and brand new ways that wouldn't have been possible without them. One of the analogies that I got in a meditation one time was really interesting. I saw, I saw if you, if you or a person is a rock and life is a slingshot and you were to put that rock in a slingshot and you only pull that slingshot back an inch or two. When you let go of the slingshot, the rock only goes, eh, a little couple of inches forward and then it drops to the ground. Not a huge propelled, right? Barely moved the slingshot. You barely pulled back at all. But if you take that slingshot 
and you pull it way, 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 way back, and you put all kinds of tension on the slingshot, and then all of a sudden you let go, that rock is going to soar. It's going to fly forward. So one of the other things that I remind people if they feel uh, an urge or a craving to always go back and remember hard things, hard times, and sit and marinate and dwell and do all those things in those really hard moments and just allow them to throw a pity party for themselves. Remind them that if life has caused you pain, if life has made that slingshot pull itself into really, really, really extreme uh, uh, positions with a lot of tension on the line, when you let go, when you... When you are in a position of saying, okay, I'm ready, let's do this, and that slingshot is released, that rock is going to fly forward. It's going to fly forward directly proportionate to how much tension there was. So if you are somebody who's experiencing a lot of tension, realize that the potential for you to, to, to soar forward is, is great. It's wonderful. It's huge. But the way to do that, the way to release the slingshot and let the rock fly forward is to move past your love affair, your compulsion, your obsession for dwelling in the what's wrong. You have to start looking at the other side of the coin. You have to flip the coin over and say, but what's right? What was so right about that? What was so right about that sweetheart, you know, uh, high school sweetheart breaking up with me moment? What was so important? What was so necessary? What was so right about that? Find the gratitude and that. Find the appreciation in that. Next thing you know, you're going to be looking at things in a whole new way. And as you do that, your memories are going to start to shift. It will go from being the worst thing that ever happened to you to being the most necessary thing to have happened to you for your growth and change and expansion. And next thing you know, you go, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful shift happening inside of me. It's a beautiful thing going on inside of me. And that is my wish for everyone. So again, Reader's Digest version, this was a whole big concept, a whole big thought. And the idea is, if you are one of those people who have somewhere along the line become a slave to your negative remembrance of your life um, situations. Learn what you can. Use them as teachable moments. You've got to take what you've learned and bring it back to your community to help others. Or uh, maybe it may be that one really, really hard thing gave you a perception, a perspective, an advantage point, and an opportunity to use what you learned in crawling out of that to a whole new community of people who are going to need your help. Maybe it gave you a very unique position to go and help others. Regardless of what it is, my want for you is to realize that you have the ability to look at things differently, take your power back, and then use that to help others, including yourself. So, my guess is... This was a big and juicy enough conversation that you're probably going to want to go back and listen to it two or three times. And my hope is that as you get better at identifying the eyes, who wants to um, make the choices that you're making or remember the memories that you're remembering and how you're remembering them, you will get better and better and better at identifying it 
And then moving to your intuitive self and saying, show me a new way of looking at this because I know there's another side to this coin. I know there is. That will catapult you. That will catapult that rock from that slingshot forward into new directions. Because you're worth it. Because that's why you came here. And because we are never the people tomorrow that we were yesterday if we choose. We can always choose to grow more in love and spirit and feel better and in turn, in turn, have a really, really beautiful life. So energy flows where attention goes. Watch where your attention goes. All right, everyone. Well, I would like to say thanks to all of you for your time and attention today. If, if energy flows where attention goes, hopefully this flows you into some place that you are going to enjoy a whole lot more. Thanks and may the force be with all of you and we will talk again in future podcasts. But for now, have a great rest of your day.